0: You are about to listen to the Multi-Geek Show, multicast number six. Uh, We did something a little different for this multicast. We actually had two guests, our our good friend Alex and my brother Matt. Um, This one is a little more relaxed and conversational than usual, and the topic that I brought up um, was something that was on my mind, and I wanted to bring it up even though none of us had done any real research on it. Um, I think you'll enjoy it, but um, I just wanted to let you know that this one's going to be a little different, but uh, we hope you'll enjoy it. Thanks for listening. Um, so we just watched the trailer for Disney's new upcoming animated feature, The Princess and the Frog. And you know what happened was is that the first time I saw this trailer, now that I think about it, because I thought, the animation looked really bad when I saw it. Like extra, um, I guess just real big and bulky. Mm-hmm. Well, I was watching it on my girlfriend's grandmother's television, which she has <laughs> zoomed in three times. Like, so she can see all the details on CSI and stuff. Okay. So you can understand... <laughs> on
1: CSI and stuff, because she's the detective, not them. No,
0: well, you can you can understand why I would think that the details were extra, like, I was like, wow, that's really weird. Because zoom in three times, and within the frame it's just the it's the middle you don't see the whole expansive scene you don't see any of that it just zoomed in and the animation looked real big and bulky and i thought man they're doing a bad thing so well we just we we just rewatched it and um,
2: i actually drew some stick figures on some flip pages that's what you watched (laughs) and i did
0: the voices in your ear he didn't it was autographed by michael eisner no uh this is the Multi Geek Show Multicast uh number six. And with us tonight is um my good friend Alex Darnell. Yo. And my brother, Matt. Hello. Uh so, and of course, sitting across from me, as always, is the lovely Jason. Hello. Um. But on this multicast, we wanted to talk about a few different things. Um Jason, you just told me some news a little while ago about uh What what are they remaking? They're remaking a remake.
3: Yeah, The Fly.
0: They're remaking a remake of The Fly. Right. So we've run out of so many ideas that they started remaking remakes. I guess so. That's like covering a cover song. Yeah. It's like... um, So, I don't know. We're just getting to the point to where I feel like in Hollywood, this is going to dry up. They're going to stop. Do you think so? Or do you think that they're going to... I think that they're going to make less and less money... And someone somewhere is going to just have to come out with something new.
3: Yeah. I don't know. I I think it'll be a while.
0: So, I don't know. It's upsetting to see that they're doing a remake of a remake.
3: You know, and I I had always said, like, I don't care that they're making a remake because it it doesn't destroy the original for me. That'll still be there. But um, after reading that about the fly being remade, thinking about it now... It does kind of bother me that they're doing this because they could be using this time and energy and money to make original products. Yeah, that's what it's just wasteful now.
0: That's what Walt Disney always said. And, you know, we talked about that in the last show is that he didn't like doing sequels because he liked experimenting and breaking anybody's preconceived notions of what was possible and moving forward on it and then to go back and redo it. I mean, seriously, didn't we say everything we had to say about the fly in the first one? I mean, in the first remake, yeah. like it wasn't some brain-busting, you know, character arc. A guy gets turned into a fly. <laughs> right. So what are they going to do? Make it gorier? Make the special effects better?
3: That's what they. I think that's what they are always thinking. Let's make the special effects better. And
0: but some of those old special effects are great because yeah. they're. That's what makes I think to me Star Wars episodes or four, or they're five, thinking, and six.
3: You know, let's make it more extreme. Let's make it for today's audience. Faster paced All
0: right, let me throw this out there. What about that story? And I know you don't have the answer to this, but I'm like, all right, take those same things that you're excited about, that you're like, all right, well, this is what I want to do. I want to do this. I want to do this. Okay. Why are you excited to do that with this character who turns into the fly? Come up with something that is going to take the idea and explore a different path. Okay? Right. Like, okay. Today, I wanted to talk about cliches, tropes, and homage, which those are three words that I don't even think a lot of people use in everyday conversation, but pretty much, I just wanted to kind of explore why you can take this idea you have, you can take this energy, and instead of trying to make a new Fly movie, you can go, okay, well, what can we do here? Mm-hmm. You know, does that make
1: sense? Yeah. Um, so... um. Well, when you when you say make a new movie, do you mean with the same ideas, or do you mean with the same basic storyline? Because then, if it's that, then most people tend to think it's a <clears throat> cheap knockoff or a ripoff of the original. So it's almost better to just remake it.
0: Okay, see, that's perfect because what you just described was a cliche. All right, now here's this is the thing. What this is this is my point with this. There's an interesting story. Every story starts with what if. What if this happens? What if there's a guy who is trying to discover how to teleport, and in doing so, he mixes his own genetic structure with a fly and starts transforming into a fly? And then the original, the very original, ended in, like, that weird twist. Have you ever seen that very, like, the original?
3: I never saw the original. Well,
0: spoiler alert... Um, <laughs> I at don't the,
1: think it's a spoiler anymore. <laughs> yeah, Not, it wasn't it made point. in the 50s? Uh,
3: well, no,
0: it was, but you never know. I mean, some people are just discovering also, those old movies.
1: Also, Darth Vader is Luke's father. So, oh, my word. Yeah, spoiler spoilers, warning. Spoiler warning.
0: No, but in the original, the, uh, the, the way that it happened was that the head of the human and the fly were switched. But you find out when you see, at, at the end, it's the fly's body with the human head yes going help
2: me help me
0: (laughs) and there's a spider crawling towards it and Uh, it's still even today is disturbing so
2: well the remake had a twist too remember (laughs) jeff goldblum actually was chased by a t-rex at the end after he discovered chaos theory
0: (laughs) 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 no that's very true uh spoiler alert spoiler alert jeff goldblum's head was switched with dennis Nedry's. No, Uh, (laughs) he became (laughs) very fat, actually. No, what I was going to say is that, does that interest you, Matt? Does that interest you, the story? Okay, take this, the scientist, and when he is doing this experiment, he is going to have the genetic structure of a fly integrated into his own.
1: Yeah, I mean, it sounds like a cool idea, but... I mean, I haven't seen any of them or I, I until now I didn't even know the basic idea of the story. So, gotcha. But I do find it interesting. I mean, I probably will look into it now actually though we're just talking about it, so.
0: Well, cool. Well, spoiler alert for the last the you know, the, for the very <laughs> first one, you know. What
1: what but uh, what about that? can he fly? Isn't he a fly? Not at the, he, not until is the he end. He's stuck in a web. Yeah, he's stuck in a oh, web. Oh, he is. Oh, yeah. Okay.
0: It's it's really creepy. It's disturbing. Okay,
1: and is this Jeff Goldblum's head on a fly, or
0: is this the... <laughs> no, 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 I'm sorry. This is like the first one made in, <laughs> oh, okay. the, in the old black and white horror movie days. Oh, okay.
1: See, that's what I enjoy. I like that. I wish they would start, instead of making remakes and remakes, there's plenty of um, Twilight Zones that you can make entire movies out of. I
0: was just going to say, have you ever seen a show like The Twilight Zone, where every show was based on a new original concept? Right. Did you know... Totally um, different than the last... Like, complete, you know, new characters, new concept, t- crazy twist, clever writing, good acting. Yes. You know, I want to see that like what he's saying. Yeah. Right.
1: There was actually, uh, I saw an episode of The Twilight Zone where there was, it was a lot like Saw, where the guy captured people in a room and he manipulated them and he made them do things that he wanted in hopes of them to get out. I haven't seen it in a long time, but I I know I directly correlated it to the to the Saw series because it was almost it it had to be where the guy got the idea from because it was too much like it there are a few movies where I can actually trace it back to a Twilight
0: Zone or an old Tales from the Crypt comic book
1: which I would rather them do that than remake remakes because that's terrible yeah (laughs) I don't I don't think we're I don't think we're that far from originality you know I mean it's I think it's just that people are getting tired of using their brains they just want quick money just seems to be what it is to me. I think
3: part of it, though, is these these filmmakers are, if they're given the chance to make these films remakes, of films that they love from their childhood, you know, they jump at the chance to do that. Right. Just like Tim Burton, kind of. Well, what did he do
1: with Charlie and the Chocolate
3: Factory? Yeah, that and um, I guess Sleepy Hollow.
0: Oh, oh. I, I didn't realize. Oh, the Disney film like the the cartoon,
3: and um, it seemed like there was something else that he did. I can't think of it now.
1: I can't think of anything that was a remake that he did. Well, here's
0: because you bring up a perfect point, and it's a really good segue. Oh, I like
3: Alice in Wonderland, now he's making. Oh
0: yeah,
1: which I'm actually really looking forward to that. I am too. I know. Oh, yeah,
0: that does cool. look good, and I liked him. You bird, said, I'm just saying. Alex said he's yeah. not really digging. Alex, it.
1: Like, let's like hear him. your ideas on that, well, Alex, because I haven't like got Alex to talk to you yet. <laughs> stuff so. What do you think about that movie, Alex? I haven't been able to talk to you about that at all.
2: I just—it looks a little too little kiddish to me. I was hoping it would be a little. A Tim Burton
1: movie too kiddish. That's from
2: the preview. I only from the trailer. I can only judge it from the trailer. It just looked a little too fun loving.
1: Right. Wow. Well, it was just a, from the trailer. It was I can't a, a Disney cartoon at one point, so you know if he. No, he's I know, but I was—I was, I was hoping from...
2: Tim Burton would kind of take it a little, take it a little uh, darker. Right. But maybe it will be, and maybe I'm just... was. Yeah. But when I saw the animation and everything on the trailer, I was just like, I don't know, I was expecting something a little different. So I, I'm not going to watch any clips for it. I'll probably still go see it, and we'll see what happens. Yeah.
0: But just talking about what you were saying about someone who loves something so much and then almost pays tribute to it mm-hmm. by doing these or remakes or... They try to. They try to. Now, here's what that's... The, and this is what I was saying in, in the three words I mentioned. Generally that's considered as an homage Mm -hmm. and that's spelled h-o-m-a-g-e silent h um it it's pretty much to show any it's it's any public show of respect to someone whom one feels indebted so it's usually in reference to like a creative work or someone who is greatly influenced um like so if you're greatly influenced by an artist to do something like one of their great works is an homage because you're saying, oh, man, this is my tribute. Or, Like, right. for instance, the fifth element is, as stated by the filmmaker, an homage to Star Wars, mm-hmm. the space opera genre, that, that whole thing. And so that's an homage. Um, so in literature and film, there are a lot of artists who are doing that. I believe, though, with the tide of remakes... This is not helping us out. Would a Be-
3: remake count as that, though?
0: Well, that's what I think is the because problem. The I think fifth
3: element is not a remake.
0: No, but I think that these remakes are turning into homages. Oh. And I don't think that that's wise. Right, Look at right. Brian Singer, what he did with Superman. Yeah. He tried to make a movie that was so similar to the first Superman mm-hmm. that he destroyed elements of what should have been a reboot. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Right. So I think that there are places for homage, and I think that they are... I think there's a place for that. Like, when you see nods to things in movies, when you see little, like, oh, I see what they did there. Like Star Trek. The new Star Trek was full of homage. Mm -hmm. They paid tribute
1: to the old series while reinventing it. Right. Right. Which shows you is you can still do it right. You know, I don't think... I think once we've gotten to the point to where all the remakes, you know, there's still... Movies out there that haven't been remade, why are we remaking remakes? You know what I mean? There's old originals that if you did that, then I'd be like, oh, okay, that's okay. Let's remake that one because it's, you know, say it's black and white or, you know, anything like that. Yeah.
3: Like allow a certain amount of time to have passed for a film before you remake it. Right. Right. Like they're already rebooting the the Fantastic Four. It was an 80s movie, wasn't it? Yeah. The remake. Yeah. I mean,
1: well, if they make Fantastic Four right, I don't have a problem with well, that, yeah, that at all.
3: See, I have a I have a little bit of a problem with it.
0: It's just so fresh. Or same thing with Hulk.
3: Like remake. They've already like started over with the Hulk. They are they're starting over with Fantastic Four. Like it just seems like a waste to me. Like, and what if those don't turn out as good as they want? Like, how many <laughs> yeah. times are you going to try? Well, I, I how many look, resources are you going to use?
1: I look at it from Marvel's point. From because the first. Hulk to me, I saw it when I was younger, and I liked it because I liked the Hulk. Mm-hmm. That's why I liked it. I liked that he was big and green, and Which he Hulk? and he smashed stuff. Or are you just talking about the game just, just Hulk. Hulk? Just just Hulk, okay. Lee's Hulk. Oh, okay. Um, I liked that one because it it was just it was the first Hulk movie that came out that I you know and I was when I was younger I was engulfed in the Hulk. He was my favorite, yeah. so that's why I really enjoyed it. So when they remade it and they did it right when I was older and I understood, you know plot and good story elements and stuff to that effect. I didn't mind it. Uh-huh. But if you look at it from Marvel's point of view, you look at a a, a movie studio who basically just kind of ruined something that is theirs. So that's why I think Marvel wants to reboot their own. Mm-hmm. Because Fox is who did um, Fantastic Four, correct? Yes. Yeah, so, you know, and then they got Tim story to direct it, which, I mean, could have been... I mean, I didn't think they were bad at all. I liked them. I enjoyed them, but I want it to be something else. Well, let me Just break like your me. heart.
0: Let me break your heart. Fox is doing the reboot of Fantastic Four. Oh, see, now that's... Because Fox, here's the thing. Fox owns the rights to Fantastic Four as long as they continue to make movies. So Fox says, okay, well, watch this. <laughs> so they're going to do that. Now, if they're wise, they'll see and learn from the from the model of the film Iron Man, where if you stick to the source material which is usually a good story with a core that is an essence of sense of wonder and something unique and new, and you translate the most, I guess, the deepest elements of that and then use film and the medium of film to polish it up and tell stories that way, you can have a good franchise on your hand. Right. But see here, okay, this is what I'm saying.
3: Let me just ask you, the the second Hulk film, that was The Incredible Hulk?
0: That was The Incredible Hulk.
3: Was that good?
0: Yeah. Okay. I I I really enjoyed it.
1: Yeah, it was it, it was top-notch if you ask me, especially compared to Ang Lee's Hulk. If you compare the two side by side, it's like it's it's clear as day which one's better. I think. I think too. And so to me, an
2: Asian baby that looks like Ang Lee. Oh, I'm telling you man. Yeah, they
1: <laughs> they they modeled the Hulk from Ang Lee's Hulk to it was Ang Lee acted out the part he was of the hulk of the hulk he yeah. was he dressed i yeah, deadly he, serious he, they had you know how they do all the motion points capture of articulation, yeah, yeah, yeah. articulation on the motion capture and he acted it out and and I so mean, he
0: was smashing things and everything if you look at it he did he looks pudgy and bright green yeah like a, a sicky, neon-y green yeah
1: and i wasn't so much upset with the with the body style because he was he looked like the Hulk, you know, but his but his face is that's what killed it. And his hair, he, he had he had black, like
0: powdery baby hair. Yeah, it's was crazy. He was like a chubby baby Hulk. It was it was, it was almost
1: like Ang Lee made that movie because he wanted to be the Hulk. <laughs> that's what it seemed <laughs> like. I to can see mean. him with the toys. It's rah, it's like, rah, okay, crash, by crash. the way,
0: and this is a little spoiler warning well, for the first Hulk, he fought mutated dogs. Yeah, they remember. looked so ridiculous.
3: Yeah, cool. The Hulk shouldn't be fighting. Nick, Who played uh, Nol- Bruce Nol- Banner in The, the Incredible Hulk? Uh,
1: Edward, Edward Norton. Norton. And he did a very good job. Who
3: played in The Hulk? Eric, Eric Bana. Oh, yes. okay. I got
1: you. But, uh, yeah, and okay.
0: Here's, here's what I was going to say, though, is that... Because just kind of touching on what we were talking about. Okay, we're talking about homage, when an artist pays tribute. But here's what's happening. They're not doing homages. They are crossing over and it's becoming cliches Mm -hmm. and I think the difference is because like what a cliche is it's actually from a French word and it's it's a it could be an expression an idea elements like for film you know with we've seen we see them all the time but it's when something's overused to the point of losing its original meaning or its original effect and it becomes a stereotype yeah and so I think what's happened is these remakes they're losing the original point They're losing the original meaning and the filmmakers focus so much on I want to make Halloween. I want to make Jason that they're forgetting why the filmmaker who created these things from nothing was trying to make it. Mm -hmm. The essence of it is becoming this. It's becoming it's the point of losing its original meaning. It's rendering it a stereotype. Mm -hmm. And so we're getting these rehashes. So I think that's the balance between an Mm -hmm. homage and a cliche.
3: That's that's how I feel about a lot of these remakes is that they feel soul, soulless. They exactly. Feel empty.
1: Yeah. Right. There's no heart in it. It's, it's just their... visuals. There's nothing. Yeah. Because the people who originally made these movies, this was their idea. This was yeah. their baby. That's why it was good. That's why they cared about it so much that it was it was an icon you know it was something that meant a lot to them so they took care of it but somebody else who does it they just want to pay tribute to them yeah i don't and, even
2: know if it's a tribute i think a lot of times it's hey we can put this title on it and it'll make money because it has this title
1: that is, is that is true made. in some cases too yeah it's a, it's a, a lot of it is just to make money because they know people will go see it with right. no good reason
3: Yeah, you know, just think, talking about remakes for a sec um you know, Rob Zombie remade Halloween and then Halloween two that he just made mm-hmm. was I think partly a remake, the very beginning of it maybe, but then he just took had his own take on it for the rest of the film. Right. I didn't see it. That's that's what I've heard. But um and now he's uh remaking the blob. And like- it, it, I I think I remember him saying that he, he never wanted to get into doing remakes and that's what it seems like he's only doing now is remakes. Yeah, see, okay, even. I don't understand it.
1: Well, he doesn't seem to me to be somebody who would have a ton of original movie ideas floating around in his brain.
2: I like the two that he made. His last name is Zombie. (laughs) (laughs) Just throwing that out there. Oh, oh,
0: come on. Well, no, but, okay, here's the thing. Why not take the essence of the second one, which is all new, Mm -hmm. and make it a standalone something new? Is it because the studio wouldn't support mm-hmm. that, and they wouldn't? I don't, I don't know. Do you, do you see what I mean? Like yeah, He's yeah. like, oh, I've got this great idea for this character. Okay. Homage. It's like Michael Myers. Change it up. Switch it out. Yeah, but I, I, you I know, think
3: it's more like what, what Matt was saying, that that might seem more like a ripoff than.
0: I think that there's right, a way yeah. to do it. <laughs> if, if, if it is then, you have to come up with a more original idea.
3: Yeah. Well, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> you can't just be like, well, let's just do a remake. But that's what I'm saying, like, he couldn't have taken that idea and made it into an original product because it was too similar to... Right, exactly.
0: Right, and so what I'm saying is then I don't think that it should be either. It shouldn't be a remake or its own film if it can't stand alone to make this mashup of two. Mm -hmm. Come on. Okay, you know
2: how in the Lord of the Rings, the two towers, the big battle scene at the end is almost exactly like... Uh, the Army of Darkness battle scene.
1: Uh, That is the Battle of Helm's Deep, let's be...
2: Yeah, yeah. No, but yeah. (laughs) So what is that considered? Is that considered... I consider that an homage, because it's... I mean, obviously, the budget effects for Army of Darkness wasn't as good as Lord of the Rings.
3: But it's just an army storming a castle, right? No, but if
2: you look at those side by side, man, there's a lot of similarities. They do a lot of the same things. It's just one but has. But will like you a say
3: that any time that they do a, an I'm army telling, storming? Have hassle? you seen it? Have you seen the, yeah, the comparison? Yeah, no, I haven't seen a comparison.
2: You got to see the comparison. Okay. It's not. So I'm not so mad an actual
3: at, video that they somebody made. Let's, no, I've watched the. Oh, uh, I've
2: watched the scene that they're talking. About. I don't think I've seen them side by side. Oh, but then okay. I watched. Like I watched both scenes, and uh, it has. Um,
1: is is this your own conclusion that you've come no, to? No, I'm. Or have you? Oh, well, I'm, I'm just wondering because I want to know if you saw this somewhere or.
2: And to me, he was. I thought it was more like a tribute. Like, like I, a tribute. I wasn't mad yeah. about it. See, okay. but that's okay know, because
1: just Lord just of things. Rings is something in and of itself. It's it's its own thing. You know, it wasn't the Army of Darkness remake, mm-hmm. and you know, he didn't no, make it exactly. I was, at, I was just right. putting it out
2: there. No, he was asking the question. An
0: homage or is that a cliche? I would say it's an homage because it's subtle and you could draw references to it, but it doesn't do what's called hanging a lantern on it, which is where the piece itself acknowledges it, like, so abruptly right. that it's kind of like, wink, wink, audience. <laughs> you know, there's not, like, some hidden s- shot where if you pause it, you can see ash in the, in what the, a- in the frame. <laughs> what about
2: the example of, um... You know how, like, Marvel will have a its staple characters? Uh, Wolverine, Spider-Man... Fantastic Four, Captain America, Captain America, right, and then you go to another, like let's say DC, right, and they have their stable characters, but then you have these characters. I don't remember which comic exactly exactly did it, but I remember you were t- we were talking about it, Tim, and you said, "Oh, this is like their version of Superman," but it was cool because they did it. It wasn't like a copy, a yeah, 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 but it was like a. I yeah, don't know. I know exactly a, what you're you know talking what I'm about. Talking about yeah. Okay. I remember the comic. The character
0: called. is called the Sentry. And really cool storyline, I won't go into it, but more or less, the Sentry has powers of super strength, and there are some um, like uh, tie-ins to light. But he is essentially Marvel's Superman.
2: That's from Marvel Max, right? right. Like it wasn't Marvel well, Marvel's that you're talking
0: era. about something else, is you're oh. talking about Squadron Supreme, which oh, okay. that actually, in I remember. the 80s, Marvel said, we need a Justice League. So they made character for character a direct translation of the Justice League. And there is, I mean, you can look, that's Superman, that's Batman, that's the Flash, that's Green Lantern. I mean, it's like boom, 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 boom. So what they did was, knowing that was, like, this is years later, just a a few years ago. Knowing that this was crazy, knowing it was cheesy, they were like, well, why don't we redo that? And again, hanging a lantern on it. In other words, saying, we're aware of this. Let's do it and have fun with it. And that's what they did. Oh, okay. And so I guess it's different when you are so aware of it that you purposely do it and you are fully in control. You don't accidentally fall into cliche. You're purposely going, okay, we're going to do an homage. We're going to use... And this is what the third word that I was talking about is. There is a word, and I think that this is where this is becomes the kind of di- dissecting the art form as it were tropes and that's t r o p e and so what that trope on with i've
2: got an ointment that'll clear that right up so
3: <laughs> you just we'll talk afterwards <clears throat> i
0: got them tropes
3: <laughs> i looked the two definitions of those two words up yes and they they appear to be uh, synonyms to me which ones uh trope and cliche
0: They appear to be, but I I don't think that they are. Okay. Here's why. This is why I don't think Webster disagrees. The character from the sitcom, he disagrees with me. Oh. He's so tiny, but his opinion's so big. (laughs) No, I was just going to say that um, I think that the difference between a trope and a cliche is that cliches are usually stereotyped and trite. We look at a cliche and it immediately incites disappointment. It's like oh, whereas I think tropes are their devices and their conventions that, as a writer, you can you can reasonably reasonably rely that they are present in the audience members' minds and their expectations. So there are things that we have come to understand. So it's it's like a uh, more of a study of patterns in behavior that can be seen without focusing on them on purpose Mm -hmm. so the they're not i don't think that tropes are cliches because i think cliches are dull i think they're uninteresting but what tropes are are like i said they're devices conventions that are like oh okay like the premise you know it's like the hero is this Mm-hmm. And it's it can be followed through a lot of stories that are really good. Even like District 9, the trope in that is kind of the fish-out-of-water story. Mm-hmm. Or, or like the, um, I'm sure that there are names for these tropes, but the, you know, he starts out one way and then ends up, it's almost like the Prince and the Pauper story. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Where it's like the character's viewpoint is completely reversed by the end of the film. That's a trope. That's not a cliche. But we can we can analyze that and we can see other movies that have shared this. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, Terry Pratchett, a, a very famous science fiction and fantasy author, says, uh, The reason that cliches become cliches is that they are the hammers and screwdrivers in the toolbox of communication. I don't even know if I understand what that means. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Hold on, wait a minute. Yeah, dude, you just, no, hold on, you made we, that up. We are the hammers. <laughs> hold, on. We are hey, the guys, th- hold on, this guy's a famous author? Are you Are you sure you didn't skip He's line? a line? <laughs> <laughs> you just said in the toolbox of communication. That sounds like
1: a song I wait, just Wait, hang on, say that again. Okay. <laughs> it
0: says the reason that cliches become cliches is that they are the hammers and screwdrivers in the toolbox of communication. I, I think I found the wrong because, quote. I found a better <laughs> quote and then I pasted the wrong one.
1: I guess maybe they just don't work together. I don't know. That's what I gather <laughs> what? from it. Because you can't well, because you can't hammer a screw. I think it's just because 'cause you they're the most
0: no it was the most commonly right? used because that's the those are the two tools you probably use most. I think that's mm-hmm. what he's getting at, is that because those are the most simplified things you can do. You can either hammer something in or you can screw it in. Like when you're building something. Mm-hmm. You can choose to do it other creative ways, but it's easiest and most available to either just screw it together or hammer it together. Now and where I think would people a, do that.
2: Where would satire and spoof, would those come somewhere after cliché? That's a really good then question. then you're acknowledging source material, but you're like, okay, we know we're copying this, but we're doing it on purpose to make something
0: That's a really funny. good point. I'm not, not sure. Funny.
1: But they don't make them funny. They make them worse and make not me want to have my money back. I
0: love space balls.
1: Spaceballs, yeah. yes. The only person who ever did it right was Mel Brooks to me. But other than that, if you go anywhere past that, I can't think of anything that was worthwhile. What
3: are some good modern spoofs?
0: I know. Delta farce. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> With Larry the Cable. Would, I mean, up. I could
1: name some, but none of them are good. Yeah. Scary movies one through 100. <laughs> I can't stand um, those films. They're so vile. And then yeah. they're making an... What are they? Called? Superhero movie. They don't even come up with oh, clever man, names knows. for them anymore. It's just it's superhero mm, movie, disaster movie. It, yeah, yeah, disaster movie. I watched movie.
2: Uh, epic movie on TV. Yeah, sadly. how was that? Um, it was a turd sandwich. Yep, it was. It was bad, and, was, and yeah. I tried to like, oh, okay, maybe this will be funny, <laughs> and it wasn't at all. You're silly. And at for one thinking point, that. there was someone dressed up like Captain Jack Sparrow. Singing with a bunch of drunken hooker pirates.
1: See, it was like a musical. What that is to me (laughs) is... It was bad. They try to make movies out of what they do at Halloween Horror Nights with Bill and Ted's Halloween show.
0: See, but there you go. See, in the right setting, place, and with the correct art form, that can be really enjoyable. Right. When we go, we make sure
3: to go to that show. I don't go to it anymore. Why? I, I don't like it. Why wow because it is to me like the scary movie type type thing but it hasn't
0: changed that's how it's always been do you think you've changed yes uh, I've never
3: seen it we always I'm tired went there of too it. late. it's always the same thing always the same dirty jokes and they're making fun of whatever. Pop culture characters are out that year, and, and yeah, but see, I only, thought that, that that's the point is to, to
0: go me. and see it's like a it's smutty vaudeville show
1: anymore, <laughs> to me though the only reason vaudeville. I go see that is because it, it really reminds is. me of what all happened during the year you know what I mean because yeah, it's uh, it's all the way to, it's all the way in October yeah. and through that eight month time span you you remember because usually they go in chronological order mm-hmm. from what I can understand or what I see or from what I remember because I haven't been in a couple of years but they go, you know, and it, and it brings you right to where you're at. And then it's like, oh, and then when they first start showing, it's like, oh, I remember that. That was funny when it happened, you know. But, I mean, I'm sure this year they'll do something about Michael Jackson being dead, and he'll be there. Yeah. And Patrick Yeah, they, they definitely <laughs> will know that, was, that.
3: That was the main draw for me every year, is seeing what characters they would pull out and use in the show. Yeah. But I'm just I'm tired of it. I, I knew see. the
2: guy that played uh, Beetlejuice. Really? Yes, I actually... It was g- only one guy? Well, I'm... Okay, yeah, Michael, he played are you it talking about time. Mike, Michael Keaton. You knew Michael Keaton? No, no, no. The guy in the Bill and Ted's in, uh, show uh-huh. that played Beetlejuice. I actually... he. Ha- I went to his wedding. I wasn't in the wedding, but I went to his wedding. He had it at um, Universal Studios. Who was this? How do I not know about this? You're my best friend. Listen... Debate. I'm not making this up. Who so is this? We went, his name was Tony. We went to his wedding. I hope you're not making he, this up. No, I'm not making this up. Well, because it's a
1: terrible lie. If you're making, okay, it not not making it up. It's not worth making up. But he, <laughs> I would at least <laughs> at make up. I went of, to Michael Keith. First wedding. of all,
2: he walked down the aisle to "Back in the Saddle Again." It was, it was, you know, that song "Back in the Saddle Again." <laughs> yeah. And at the end of the ceremony, him and his new bride got in one of those speed speedboats from the Universal Stunt Spectacular show and sped away. <laughs> I'm not making that up. It really happened. Wow. Where did they co-
3: go to? That's kind of enclosed that well, lake, isn't it?
2: <laughs> funny thing. Uh, the boat actually
1: exploded. <laughs> so you got to go the to Universal. The wedding Univer- ended very tragically. You no, I'm just to go kidding.
2: To Universal for
1: the wedding? Yes. Did you get to stay there, or did they uh, No, it was just for out? the
2: ceremony. I mean, he worked there, so.
1: Oh, uh, I would have ran away. I would have stayed. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I don't... <laughs> think that would work but so he did i'm uh he played beetlejuice in one of the
0: where did you meet this guy um he wasn't the the produce guy from albertson's tony was (laughs) he i met
2: him him, we played together in the world's worst marching band
0: okay uh you know (laughs) i'm not making on the list of things that you would make up
2: (laughs) no i was in a band called the world's worst marching band and then they became the acme all-american alumni marching band Mm. We had uniforms and everything,
0: what and we battled. We battled the ghost of Grover Cleveland <laughs> <laughs> in Disney's Magic Kingdom Hall of Presidents,
1: and then also, <laughs> and then also the Hall puppet of Presidents Grover. is in the Magic Kingdom,
2: is
0: it? Yeah,
2: oh, it is. Yeah, you're
0: right. I was thinking
1: the puppet Grover. It's was in also Boring there. Land. No,
0: I'm kidding. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I, th- I think Tony should appear on this podcast.
0: I think Tony from okay, we used to work with this guy at Albertsons named Tony, and he was about what. <laughs> 66 six. dude was like yeah, eight, he tall, had like a italian. black curly mullet well oh. no 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 he told everybody he was italian i think he was palestinian <laughs> no i'm not just saying that cuz if you really like trace it back it's like his his last name and all the things we do like he would get on the intercom and they would have to do <laughs> he didn't
2: get along with the jewish bakers too well <laughs> <laughs> really no
0: oh i see ah, i see what he ah, did that trickster here what i'm saying is that he would get on that intercom and you know they would have to say what specials and, and sales were going on in the produce department. And And every time you would push the speaker button to talk on the phone, it would go, Ding. So it'd be like, Ding. Hello, shopper. Today we have the always- biggest grape you ever seen in your life. We got about a seven of these grape. We also got a salad bar. He the make you the is so fat. And so he would. Oh, he, was, he was so bad too, and he'd always say,
2: "Attention, customer! Like one customer, not like yeah. customers." <laughs> like he's like he was Ill talking Mitch. just to you. Wouldn't it be he's hilarious? Like, We've got the melons. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Come back and see us, produce. <laughs> Do you remember when he? It would be really funny if he was staring down one lady, and she was just like some old lady with a look on her face, and he's like, "Attention, customer! You are unwanted here in the produce department. <laughs> <laughs> Remove yourself." There is a two-state solution
2: for the produce <laughs> department.
0: <laughs> so, well, anyway. Back to the Palestinian. Talking about the... Uh, just kind of what you're talking about with satire and spoof. I think the the one thing to remember, too, is that satire... Usually referring to literature, but satire, don't forget, is usually to bring about a change. It's to attack something. Like, it's... To bring about change. Satire is like George Orwell's Animal Farm. Or... You know some of those things where it's like it's satirical, but it's it's supposed to put a very sharp point on something that the author or the performer doesn't like,
2: like Chaucer. Mm-hmm. Chaucer did
0: e- exactly Satire. Yeah. right. Oh yeah, he was he was extremely biting for his time. Mister Show is a lot of satire because it's funny, but they're very clearly stating what they don't like about the government or about you know certain Religion things. Or anything. Right, yeah.
1: <laughs> the Bob Lamont the story <laughs> that's really funny.
0: Now parody. Parody is more to poke fun at an original work, what you were calling a spoof. Spoof sure. and parody are kind of interchangeable. So it's like satire, I wouldn't say is homage because I think it's a lot more uh, detrimental. It's more like making a point uh, harshly about something with humor or with wit, whereas parody is what we're talking about. Parody is like not another teen movie or date movie or whatever, moneymaker. Didn't they do one specifically based on summer action movies with, like, 300?
1: Yeah. Well, not that's another be, meet the That's, meet that's the, the Spartans, one Alex was right? just talking yeah. about. Meet, meet the, the Spartans. Spartans.
2: <laughs> no, that's not the one. I was, I was talking about Epic Movie.
1: Oh, yeah. <laughs> they all run together to me. So, anyway. So, overall. Well, can anybody think of somebody who made a spoof movie that was actually good other than Mel Brooks? Um. Uh, not off the top of my head.
0: I, that's not really my genre. I don't really get too hard into spoof movies. I'm
1: for, to think well, if for good one. reason. I mean, it's obvious.
0: Well, I don't think spoof transfers well to film. No. I think it would be better like in a Bill and Ted setting or like a play. I, I can Better see a in short. Yeah. Almost like sketches. Correct. Like, like sketch comedy. There you go. Like a Saturday Night Live or a... Uh, you know any of those really good sketch shows? That's a lot of spoof and parody,
1: right? Yeah, but it, yeah, be it a full be length movie it just yeah, sometimes gets what, annoying. But, but again, that's what I'm it's, saying I mean, though. But Spaceballs was spot on to me, man. I mean, you, they made the whole movie was funny throughout. And have any of I you really seen the
3: Spaceballs cartoon? It. No, I'm sorry. No.
1: You're
2: now no. you're making things up. No. See, I know Beetlejuice. No, You've never seen a Spaceballs up. cartoon. I Alex knows the real Beetlejuice. I do. <laughs> His name is Tony, and he works in the produce department at Albertsons
0: <laughs> on a speedboat.
1: <laughs> Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice, one, two, three.
2: That was a true story, by the way. Oh, except for the part where the boat blew up. I made that up.
0: So, Jason, you're looking up this baseball, baseball cartoon. They
1: had the cans on the back of the boat, and it ended up slowing it down to a stop. <laughs> they filled up. <laughs>
3: That proves it. Well, look at that. He wasn't lying. The animated series. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yep. There it's it is, everybody. Series.
0: Anyone, if you can, if you can imagine, Jason has gone through the painstaking process of creating his own Wikipedia page.
1: <laughs> <laughs> to, it's to, almost as
0: if he knew <laughs> to try to uh, prove. Yeah. So we'll is
2: want that to watch this? Really? Is quick? it? Produced? Yeah. Hold on. I'll stop. Hold on, and, real quick. Is it produced by Mel Brooks? Does
3: he have anything he to do with it? He some involvement in it. I don't know what. It did say Mel Brooks. I think he probably plays uh, characters in it. Yogurt,
0: probably. Yeah. yeah. Well, let's see. Let's watch it. I'll stop this, and then we'll watch it. That is the perfect example of cliche to me. They went with the easy... We just watched the Mel Brooks Baseballs animated series. We watched clips. It's stupid, predictable, dirty jokes. That's cliche all the way. And... It's taking a a property and just abusing the fact that we love the movie. So it's pretty awful. What did you say the animation style looked like, Alex?
2: Oh, the Jay and Silent Bob animated series? It's similar because it's basic. Yes.
3: But I think the animation itself, like the movements, is not... Yeah, it's a little different. It's lower quality. And
2: Jay and Silent Bob was actually funny.
0: That actually was really funny. And the the Spaceballs, you know what it looks like they did? Um, I was actually speaking with an animator when uh, I went to uh, the effects convention. This was two years ago. And he's the animator who created the beginning sequence for the uh, Aqua Teen Hunger Force colon the movie. The beginning sequence In, with the heavy metal band. Oh, that yeah. is the new, like, because you know, you've seen the, the classic, let's go out to the lobby. Yeah. And it's like popcorn and drink. Well, this, it's like gummy you know it's uh, it's like a gumdrop and like a raisinette but they're all like heavy metal and they have piercings and like well he's the animator that did that by hand mm-hmm. and the way that they worked it was that they had a a studio setting where you would come and get a desk it was kind of like not assigned seating and he was the only classical animator in there everyone else was using flash huh. they were using flash animation because you can program uh, an object, say, for instance, uh, for Aqua Aquatine Hunger Force Wad. Yeah. He is a Flash object. He looks like a meatball. And then all you have to do is pull from the pool of other objects, which are the eye animations, the mouth animations, and you drop it on there, and it is much easier to cobble together something that is already finished parts, you just put it together, versus him having to hand-draw that. And he was talking about how a lot of those shows you see sea um, lab aqua Teen hunger force a lot of them are flash animation
3: it i heard too because oh, it's yeah. so crisp and
0: yeah and, and like the explosions it, are digital Well, like and,
2: and it looks like the uh it looks like they're cutouts moving exactly along sometimes. exactly like it doesn't look like they're
0: part of the scenery right, it looks right. like they're kind right. of in front of it and that's what that space balls looked like it yeah. looked like cutouts, like well, yeah, bouncing sure that was right yeah flash. Now, here's something that's very smart. Okay, as you know, if you, I don't know if you've ever seen the older seasons of South Park. They used construction paper mm-hmm. to cut out those characters and create them. Yeah. Well, eventually they switched over to doing it all in Flash. Mm-hmm. That works perfectly. That is the perfect conversion because you're taking pieces of construction paper and you're just making those shapes in flash so it didn't look like there was a change per se right but it made because it, it's, a, yeah, and,
1: it, made it and a lot it, more smoother and right, a lot easier on the eye because, because its
0: core <laughs> principles are identical right it's just making it easier you don't have to cut out all the different shapes and there's everything in a database mm-hmm. so um, yeah that's that's abysmal I think that's really yeah
1: A good example. Going, going back to C Lab. God have
2: mercy on your soul.
1: I heard that C Lab 2021 was actually a show that was made um, before, and they actually just like dubbed over it or something. I heard that. I don't know where from. It's probably from
0: a lot of those old Hanna Barbera cartoons. They, uh, I'm not sure if Cartoon Network owns the rights or how that worked. I would like to look into that. But I,
3: I saw one of, oh gosh,
0: Harvey Birdman. There used to be a a, Birdman. Right, it wasn't
3: attorney at law. It was just Harvey Birdman. Right, yeah, I saw saw one one of the episodes. Dubbed and
1: Uh it was hilarious. Yeah,
0: because they they took those old like Space Ghost used to be an actual serious Scooby Doo style, right? You know that that wasn't supposed to be a parody, and then they took that, and I think that that kind of opened the door. Space Ghost did, and then I don't know if they bought the rights. I don't know how that worked, but they used those characters and put them in farcical situations. Like, Harvey Birdman, attorney at law, is actually really funny because <laughs> they go through and they examine tropes. Like, what would Adam Ant, what kind of problems would he have? Yeah. And and they go through, like, what would the tiniest person, and it's just so funny. Like, oh. they did this one with the Jetsons, uh-huh. and the Jetsons are, they're from the, in the Jetsons cartoon, every sidewalk is a moving conveyor belt. Yeah. So they had in the episode, they had it so that the conveyor belt stopped and they didn't know what to do. So they <laughs> stood on it. And they like it just Harvey Bergman would just leave his office and come back in and they were like, We don't know what to do. They had tattered clothes, they were starving. It was it had been like something something like four weeks or something like that. It was ridiculous. But the point is, is that in the future where there's no actual sidewalks, they were making fun of the trope that what would people do yeah. if they all stopped, you know? So anyway. All right, yeah. So yeah, with all those old Hanna Barbera shows they, they have done some some pretty funny stuff.
1: Have 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 any of you seen the trailer for the new Ricky Gervais movie? Uh the I think it's called uh, The Invention of Lying. I
3: just saw a commercial for that. <laughs> yeah, that looks no. that looks pretty I didn't funny. Exactly understand it. I it's, think I came in halfway through the commercial, but um it seemed like Liar Liar, is that
1: uh, well, what nice. it is is it's it 's based in a world where nobody lies, okay. so he 's at dinner with this girl, and she answers the phone and she goes "Oh no i won 't be sleeping with him tonight and he goes "Oh and then he 's like he's like, "Oh, so you know basically, and then it cuts away to another scene in the in the trailer so he he basically finds out where everybody tells the truth he finds out that he can lie, so it shows him walk past this girl and he goes. If we don't have sex right now the world is going to end and she goes do you have time <laughs> or something like that yeah, and it was right, just I'm like yeah and it's just like it just looks like it'll be and I love Ricky Gervais I'm a huge fan. He's, the yeah, office he, is absolutely brilliant to me and uh his stand up is even funny so I I think he's great so He does have a lot just, of
0: subtlety and uh He's man. He's into that humor that's uncomfortable. I love that. Yeah, it's like it causes you. You feel uncomfortable for his character. Oh got yeah, into the humor box.
1: Steve yeah. Steve Carell does a really good job. With well, that they, too, they in work the together. Office.
0: A lot of people. Okay, you'll hear the feud between the American Office and the, and the British Office. Mm. I worked with a person who said, "Oh, the British Office is so stupid. I don't even. It's not even the same. And, and all this other stuff." And I said, "Okay, Ricky Gervais is the executive producer." of the American office. So the element is there. They're just retooling it. And I I think the first season of it was less funny because they tried to do a one-to-one conversion. Like they tried to make it the same as the British office. Mm -hmm. But when it found its own, they just said, you know what, let's do our own thing. It got funnier and funnier.
1: Yeah, because there are so many times where I can barely stand to watch Steve Carell in that show because he just makes himself look like such an idiot. It's and so he's you so feel good at it, so awkward. Yeah. yeah, and it's just like wow. And that's and the just, key to that humor is yeah. that See, awkwardness. You know the episode where they're
2: going to have the company uh, poker tournament for charity. Oh no! no. And he thinks crazy. he's going to use like poker lingo. So he gets off the phone after basically he sets like accidentally sets two dates or what he thinks are dates with uh, two women in his life, and he goes, "Well, uh, okay then. Well, I'm gonna go drop a deuce on everyone."
1: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: That's really funny.
1: Wow, yeah, it's it's great. I love that show. It's an awesome show. So
0: the thing about The Office that I really like both of them is that throughout it. There is, uh, you know, there's all the humor, but occasionally, it, almost every episode, there's an emotional part. There's some part that shows the humanity of the show, and it makes you care about the characters even more. Whether right. it's the love interest or someone making a decision. It's like, and they just turn it. Another show that's really good about that is Scrubs, yeah. where it's hilarious, and then they hit you right in the heart with some kind of poignant message that's not preachy. It's just like, oh, man. And it's like, those two shows, I think, I love those shows because of that, that they're they're very witty and they're hilarious, but then they bring it in and they give you a point of view of a character who you might not have thought of or some kind of a, a social commentary that doesn't seem very heavy-handed like they're trying to teach you a lesson. Right, yeah. You know, it's not like, and that's one to grow on.
1: Speaking, <laughs> speaking of homages, uh, Scrubs is referred to a lot in Family Guy, and I can't tell if they don't like it or if they, if they just, you know what I mean? Like I don't know because there was. I love, the episode. <laughs> yeah.
0: I love the episode where Peter goes to the hospital and he goes, "All hey, right, you guys got scrubs here? Hey, is scrubs here? What about black scrubs?"
1: <laughs> you know, cause he's then, talking about Turk. Yeah, because they'll have they'll have that in it, and then there will there will be other times where it'll just be like. It'll just totally hate on the show, you know what I mean? I can't think of anything off the top of my head right now, but I just know that it's in there. Mm. So, I mean, I was just wondering if they are paying homage to the show because they like it and it does have that emotional that emotional aspect to it where it actually touches you as a person a little bit, not just to make you laugh, slapstick kind of of I think
0: that that's considered what I call a nod. That's a nod to another show. If, right. if they mention it like that, and if it's not in a detrimental fashion. Do you guys remember a couple of years ago that little um, good-natured war between the different animated shows that kind of pointed out the tropes of the other show? Like, South Park did an episode where they jokingly pointed out the tropes of Family Guy. Oh, man. Which is pretty much... The idea is that there is not an underlying story in Family Guy, and they're joking around that it is just... In the middle of everything that's not funny, they go, "Hey, remember the time that?" And then the the way that, and this is kind of a spoiler warning if you've never seen the South Park episode and want it to be new to you. The joke is the executive, <laughs> the executive. Well, no, this is the the spoiler. The executive at <laughs> okay. Fox is a manatee that that is is it's it's in a giant pool, and there are all these <laughs> different um, like rubber balls that float in the water. And the manatee chooses a ball and noses it up into a tube, and that floats into a socket. And then he noses another one, and that floats into a socket. And that's the formula for the sketch for Family Guy. So it's like it shows the manatee, and he puts one ball in and then another. And say, for instance, the ball said, Gary Coleman, um, you know, pool of jello. And then it showed a fake Family Guy clip where he's like, Hey, remember that time I, I wrestled Gary Coleman in a pool of Jello? <laughs> and it shows that that is how their formula works. Yeah,
1: uh, and honestly, that that killed Family Guy. Used to be my favorite show, and that killed Family Guy for me for a long time.
0: I will agree with you on that. Unfortunately, it did. When they pointed it out like that, I was like, oh, yeah. I mean, it kind. It I mean,
1: it was. It almost hurt my heart a little because it was my favorite show. You know, at that time I was in high school and it was like it was like oh man it's so funny you know and it was just cuz it's so crazy it's just a wacky show you know and it's so off the wall and that was what made it funny when before you find out what they didn't find funny about it they're like this is like it was kind of like this is why our show is better than theirs that's what i kind of got okay from
0: now here though okay now and then this is what happens though i don't know if it was in direct response or in in the chronological order because i know family guy was canceled and then it came back because of astronomical DVD sales. When Family Guy came back, they have become much more oriented on that awkward humor like the office is. And storytelling and like emotional things. They really upped it a notch to so where you can't...
1: Right, yeah, I have noticed that too.
0: So, that's kind of funny to talk about it. Because each, each show pointed out each other's tropes. And they were kind of going back and forth and, and doing things like that. What
1: did Family Guy say about uh, South Park? Because I don't think, you you can't really have much on South Am Park. Am I it's, wrong about that? Maybe too, it was just
0: South Park pointed out I think Family it, Guy. I think
1: it might be, because this might have been the time when Family Guy was off the air, and that's why they were doing it, you know, because... I don't know. Because I can't remember specifically, because it was a while ago, but I think South Park's great, because it always, it seems like whatever they go over on South Park, it's it always just happened. It's like they just made the, like the day after the election or the week after the election, they had an episode about the elections. I think that's one of the benefits of flash
0: animation, immediate turnaround. Mm -hmm. You can have the voice acting, you knock the voice acting out and then you match up the flash to it. Right. Um, so yeah, that's kind of the, I mean, I don't know. I just wanted to do a little bit of a discussion on tropes, cliches, homages, and, um, you know, kind of go through and and talk about what the differences were and what are what are good and what are bad and um, there's kind of a final thing I wanted to talk about here. Um, Alex brought this and it is pretty much just. <laughs> I thought it was kind of apropos because it's kind of about uh, it's about comic book history and there's not another art form I don't think. That has more tropes, cliches, homages, pastiche, all the... I mean, any word and synonym you can think of than the comic books over the course of their inception and to today. And um, this is just an interesting piece of news. It's that uh, the... uh, It says here that some of the most cherished names in comic book history, from Spider-Man and the Incredible Hulk to the X-Men and the Fantastic Four, they found themselves locked in a new battle over who owns their copyright. Isn't it funny that now that Marvel has said, you know what, these characters should be in the mainstream. Let's get these in front of a lot of people. Now everyone's like, wow, superheroes are really cool. Now everyone's fighting over the copyright. But before, when they weren't making as much money, no one really thought it was worth it.
1: Right, yeah. I what's, that- what's funny is I always thought it was worth it. And ever since I was young, I wanted them to make superhero movies. And now that it's finally happening... Which I'm glad it's happening now where I can appreciate them. Right. You know, and not in the mid-90s when I wanted them to make them, and they would have been, you know, <laughs> they make a Fantastic Four movie and they paint a rope blue and throw it, and it looks to that's supposed to, that's <laughs> that's about, Mr. That's supposed to be arm. Mr. Fantastic stretching.
0: Um, you want to read that? Sure. I brought it.
2: All right. It says here, The superheroes have been invoked by the errors of their comic strip artist, Jack Kirby who died in 1994 after being involved in the creation of dozens of popular characters. Uh, Kirby's four children have lodged 45 notices of termination of copyright, by which they would acquire their father's share when it comes up. Under America's very complicated copyright laws, the rights for the Fantastic Four, for example, would come up in 2017, the Hulk in 2018, and X-Men in 2019. If the children win their claims, they will then hold their portion of the rights for the following... 39 years before the characters become open public property. Victory in the claims would give the children rights to a share of the profits from any film or other spin off made from the characters, and they could even sell the rights themselves. This was what I thought was interesting. Uh, independently of Marvel or any of the big studios. Um, so basically there's a lawsuit going on right now. So when those come up for expiration, because apparently because Jack Kirby... Was, is the artist responsible for a lot of these characters, and he actually worked with Stan Lee on a uh, uh, Thor, Iron Man, and the Avengers. Yeah, as well. Yep. But yep. he has stake, or his family does, because they're, you know his children basically have stake in these copyrights, and they can, if they win them, now it's not guaranteed that they will. That in uh, in the next decade they could have a large portion of those copyrights, and they could. The way I understood it is, they could, you know, if they could sell their the uh, the rights themselves independently of Marvel, of any of the big studios, they could go sell the rights to, like, let's say, the Hulk or the Fantastic Four, some other company that
0: could do
1: whatever yeah.
2: they wanted
0: with them. Dark Horse or DC.
1: Yeah, who knows why? Why doesn't Stan Lee have any say in this, even though he was a co-creator?
0: Um, I think that it has to do with the, and I don't know the exact answer other than that you know, with Marvel and the way that it was created. Stan Lee, when he was making these comic books, and if you go back, and I, I think we'll probably do a multicast eventually on the history of comic books and um, just kind of the interesting story tale and how when they started, it wasn't because people were looking to make extra creative things. That's why I wanted to talk about it is because comic books started out a necessity to make money, and they kind of did it to try out the uh, superhero comic books I mean and they did it to just try out like oh and people started buying it so they were like we have to pump out a new one every week it they weren't basing it on quality they weren't basing it on we need to come up with the, oh we have to we have a story to tell oh let me tell the bard's tale it wasn't that it was we got to pump out a new one every week we got to get this out and some of the coolest characters ever came out of that
1: right
4: yeah
0: so but to answer your question i think that when stanley created all of these it was underneath timely and then marvel comics he did not have just like you have now if you work for any company you sign a waiver saying anything you create while working for them belongs to them right yeah and that's it that's why
1: that to me ties in perfectly with what we were talking about too because it was they were making something new every week to keep up with the people who wanted to read it yeah and And some of it was
0: awesome some of it was hokey some of it was brilliant some of it has carried over
1: and that to me is what movies need to start doing again is make new even though it might not be as good but because if you get if you have a decent idea and somebody can better it that's when the remakes become worth something right
0: well here's something else too totally interesting because it's very different than what we talked about this whole time comic books have thrived off of remakes the batman we know today is not the batman that was originally and it's like every five or ten years it was almost reinvented and you can look it through the eras, the different colorings, the different art forms, the different style of inking and coloring. And even now today, they're so different because they've been remade. But I think it's easier on a medium like a comic book where an artist can just imagine it in the span of a page or a comic or a comic arc versus a movie that's multi-millions of dollars and takes years to make. Whereas a comic, you can do it and then redo it and redo it. There's not as much pressure. So, right.
2: plus you're not tied to a certain likeness, so you can reinvent the character without having to worry about an actor or a character getting too old. Yeah, and, and, I mean, and Batman this, in the '50s and Batman in the year 2000, or you know, in the in this decade, twenty ten, completely yeah, different, yeah. and nobody He's, really
1: yeah he's the same age the whole time. Right. it's not a
2: person it's, a, it's an idea but character. then again
1: it makes it interesting when you have something like batman uh, i think it was batman beyond where he's too old now yeah and right he has to have somebody who is going to take his mantle yeah you know because and then that adds different aspects which i think is interesting
0: um and alex to kind of answer your question i don't know if it states the amount of share that the children own like is it 25%? Is it 10%? Is it well, 5%? Because they could share their percentage but I, I can't imagine that they would own the full copyright no, of the they, entire they don't character. they own the
2: full rights and what they, what they say here is as the case uh, progresses all the parties that are involved because you, you have to understand uh, distribution rights are owned by Universal, 20th Century Fox um, you know there's a lot of companies that have vested interest in this. Certainly. And so as the case progresses they have to decide um, what degree Kirby was responsible for the creation of the Mar- Marvel characters. Yeah, that'll so be interesting. So they kind of have to decide, someone has to decide, after this guy's dead. Obviously his family will want the most that they can get, and somewhat understandably, but they're going to have to decide in a courtroom, basically, what, how much did he help and how much does his family deserve. So yeah. yeah,
1: and that's um, what I'm saying, because Stan Lee, I don't know how much of a part he played in the actual look of the characters but well, he, editor, he, he right? right he was the, the editor writer in chief. and the editor-in-chief right I'm um, yes. yeah from what I've been made to understand so it yeah so you know I mean rights. that means he to me he he made the characters the characters because he wrote them but the way the characters look is what Jack Kirby made Tell the me. way the copyright co
2: work is things expire you can't hold a copyright on something forever
1: which is interesting right. yeah, yeah. Well, that that's what kind of worries me is because if they do end up having full say over where these go I'm afraid it might just go to the highest bidder well they and can then, here's like, the thing they'll never completely well let me all tell you right.
2: so what they can do is they can take their portion and sell it to somebody
0: well I was gonna say let me tell you the highest bidder is gonna be Disney now huh? right yeah. don't worry about that pally but let me ask you this Jason I have a question okay. how do you feel about these children? Of these creators, and how do you feel about them having some kind of a stake in their parents' work? Like, why? Just because they were their kids? They didn't do anything. Mm. They were born, so yeah. they did not toil away and come up with characters and creation. I mean, how do you feel about that? I kind of colored the question with my own opinion, but
3: <laughs> I guess I really don't have any. Opinion. No, I I don't know. I have an opinion on
0: it. How? What? What's your opinion?
3: Oh, I didn't know you
2: were going to ask me right away. No, I'm just oh. <laughs> Hold um, on, I'm going to make one up. <laughs> and, well, uh, to me, it's kind of, in a, I mean, it just, it just depends on the degree of what they're going to actually get. But if your father was, was had a, played a large role in uh, creating iconic characters, I think it, his children, at least his direct children, you know, not like um, down the line for...
0: Like grandchildren, gen- yeah, grand- generations
2: to come, yeah. yeah, no, yeah it's kind of like I would think it'd be part of their inheritance. Sure, like, and, and and a it, lot of t- think about it like, um, this is kind of an off subject example, but remember, you know, have you ever seen the? Um, can't remember what the movie is, but it's about the the guys that wrote all those uh, hits in the sixties and 70s, oh, like the motown Oh, it's called
0: yeah, it's called Standing in the Shadows of Motown.
2: Right. And they didn't see a dime from no, it. No.
0: There are four or five musicians who wrote pretty much every Motown hit you've ever heard. And if I played them, you'd go, oh, that song, that song, that song. But they never saw a dime nope. from those sales. No, they didn't. So it's like, it just, I mean, I you'd have to
2: really look into the particulars of this case. You know, Kirby, what he actually, what he was involved in. Uh, did he get, you know, his fair share? I mean, I don't know. But I, I, I would think that they have some stake in it. But not, a, I don't think, a huge amount.
0: Yeah, well, I think you know, I, I, I think, think that, that it's the responsibility. Well, here I think is what it is. I think that they, these men stumbled upon massive success and they created iconic, iconic characters that they did not expect. To, it, they didn't expect this amount of success and so they didn't know how to handle it right away. Right. And it was like, oh, do we copyright it? Do we do this? Do we do that? And I think that now that we know, it's important that, you hold on to those copyrights and make sure that legally you do pass them down to your children and then your children pass them down to their children and that legally, because everything has a paper trail now, whereas back then it was kind of like, who owns this, who's getting this cut, we're trying to make it through the... Plus, large
2: organizations may swoop in and say, hey, we'll pay you this amount of money for it and then you have no rights to
0: it. Right, if you choose to sell it for that amount. Right, so anyway, I think that, I, I guess that there's an element of I would want my children to do that to get the rights to something I would create, but sure. I would make sure that it was planned from the beginning, that it was right. like, and that they would understand. That it wasn't
2: just a bu- I mean, because we don't know, these kids could be like, whoa, wait a minute, look how much success we're having. We, you know, they could just be getting greedy. That's what I feel like. That's, I feel That's like what I'm saying. That I
0: would be a
1: big problem.
0: Well, just like any inheritance, you would train your children to know how to handle it before they were passed on. I feel like what I'm hearing now are like, nephews great grand nephews right. cousins you know these people who it's are like, like when you
2: win the lottery and some cousin i exactly. don't know you had
0: comes and says hey buddy i need some money come on let's go that's what i'm hey, saying bye. we didn't hear any of these people coming to the marvel you know doorstep when these characters weren't making a bunch of money going hey listen i really love these characters i care about my dad's legacy can we work out something? I would like to. There's nothing that, but then as soon as millions of dollars are rolling around, everyone cares, and we love it, and oh, it's my dad's legacy. Yeah. Right,
3: so it's all about the money. Uh, right. It might exactly. be. We it don't all, know. Well, I don't know. exactly.
0: At face value, I'm making a snap judgment, obviously. That's probably that's ignorant of me, but it appears. And we're
3: going
1: to make it
0: fact right now. And <laughs> And, and fact. fact.
1: But I, I would <laughs> really like fact. to know Stan Lee's point of, like well, hold
0: on, hold on. I was just going to say, when you both said end fact, it was like in Terminator 2, where both guys had to turn the keys to get into the facility where they housed. All right, go. First for of it. all, Matt, <laughs> Matt, before, Thanks for interrupting. Matt,
2: before you say what you're going to say, I think that Stan Lee, if he were here, would address you as true believer.
0: Hello, true believer. <laughs> <laughs>
2: oh, he is. Here. D- does
1: anybody else wonder what his point of view is on this? And you because, just interrupted, Stan Lee. Because think about that. If if you say if you if you helped create these characters and you made these characters, basically you you were half of the reason that these characters are what they are. And he doesn't even really have a say in it. I would I would I would find that a little frustrating and honestly a little heartbreaking because of how popular these characters are because Spider-Man is arguably one of the biggest. Yeah, oh, absolutely.
0: Um, I guess we'll just close by saying this. Um, Every interview I've ever seen with Stanley, every sentiment he's ever had has been positive, happy. He was really, really happy to be a part of it. He loves talking about it. He's a man who has a passion for um, sharing his work to make people happy, and I've seen that he is... Really happy that it's so popular, right? And, and now and I'm also
1: sure he's well that, doing pretty. All I was right just going to say, well, that to <laughs> me, good that to me is Daddy Lee is not True believers. swimming the in money. Reason why he should yeah. have the rights is because he does it because he loves it, and that's that's what should be important. Yeah, that's I, I how kids, the law works. Jack Kirby's, <laughs> yeah, Jack no, I agree. Kirby's kids shouldn't get it because they they can use it to get money. Because I'm sure they're not. And I hear they smell. No, I'm kidding. But
0: no, you make a solid point, and I, I think that um, you because know
1: that's Spider-Man might be his favorite character. You know, I mean it. it you know, uh, that's an interesting. It's question.
0: unfortunate that our passions don't dictate um, our power to do things because there are people who, you know, <laughs> that sounds kind of funny an idea
2: but for a superhero. <laughs> his passion makes with great super passion
0: fun. comes awful <laughs> movies, <laughs> but anyway, true believers. Uh, I think Stan Lee has pajamas that are pretty much probably every precious jewel and metal you could think of (laughs) that are just interlaced to create probably what would be an impenetrable superhero suit. Um, So I don't His ruby pajamas
2: are
1: chafing. (laughs) He's got... My diamond (laughs) t-shirt.
0: So... Well, anyway, uh, this has been the Multigeek Show Multicast number six. Um, Like I said, directly to my left has been Alex. Yo. To my right, my brother, Matt. Adios. And across from me, as always, the magnificent, impenetrable Jason Magintosh. Bye. Thanks for listening, and tune in next week.
2: Okay, so I had a mid-morning nightmare this morning. Have you ever had one of those? You know where you wake up really early in the morning because you have something to do, which I did. I did what I had to do, and I wanted to get a few hours more sleep before I went into work. And I had a nightmare. And, Tim, you were in it. Okay. And it was pretty crazy. I'll make it brief, but basically... Or was I? You were not a part of it. That's sad. But I'm going to add you into the story anyways. Hooray! Not really. That's okay. Uh, I
0: edited myself into the Sonic the Hedgehog memories. That is true. Uh, The Sega Suga memories. Okay. So, we
2: were being hunted... Well, I thought it was just me. I thought I was being hunted by someone who actually hunts people. Like a guy that was... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So... I don't remember how we got into like this. in c-
3: the past? The most dangerous game. Yes. <laughs> were you John Leguizamo? You I were. was
2: John Leguizamo. Um One R- stinky dinky. R- too, oh, two no. stink-
0: Ridiculous.
2: <laughs> like a booger, I stick to this. Yeah.
3: Why do we all
0: know that movie so well? <laughs> Honestly, it's, it's awful. a really funny
2: movie.
0: No, it's not. Yes, it it's is. funny because... A liar. No, listen. Like it's funny because it's so bad that it's embarrassing to watch those people do that stuff. <laughs> that is correct.
2: Now, okay, so I Oof. was being hunted by someone. John Leguizamo. Um, John Leguizamo, sure. Um, so we're in his... I don't know how we got into this scenario, so I don't know how. But I basically we were captured by these... You and the, me? Yes, okay. by this human hunter. And we're sitting in his... I mean, it's this old horror movie type, old trailer. And oh. he's... Yeah, he's got like butcher knives, all sorts of things. Yeah, it's it's not good. Now, we're not tied up, so I don't know why in a dream... Why don't you just run out the door because, I don't know, we weren't tied up or anything. We're sitting at, like, this diner-looking table, and basically, he gives us a puzzle to solve, and if we solve the puzzle,
0: we get to live. Nice. Now, it's one of those 500-piecers, probably. Oh, no. (laughs) No, no, no. It's not that kind of puzzle. It's (laughs) a John Deere tractor on a farm, and there are geese. But you know what the killer is on that? Let me tell you what the killer is.
2: All the pieces are green. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> the top the
0: quarter of the puzzle is a blue sky without a single cloud in it. <laughs> it's simply trial and error. It's not fun. Okay. That isn't it, fun. Tim,
2: it was, <laughs> you gotta start listen. with the edges.
0: It was yeah. There aren't even edges. <laughs> Listen. Okay. It was a Norman how crazy Rockwell would that be? Painting. How <laughs> crazy would that be if I made a puzzle that didn't have edges? Okay. The edges were. We're true. being <laughs> hunted here. Can you be serious? Okay. I'm please? sorry. Back to being terrified of John Leguizamo. We're in a trailer. He's <laughs> oh, making us watch the pest. No,
2: <laughs> that's torture in itself. All right. Okay. So we so, have to solve a puzzle. Yes. Okay. And now this is a strange puzzle. I don't know exactly how it worked, but basically we were trying to get it. It was basically tiny playing cards. <laughs> <laughs>
0: It's called a Rubik's dodecahedron.
2: <laughs> no, but basically, it was like I can't even solve the cube. <laughs> it almost looked like um, like a woven basket that had in between the groups. <laughs> listen to me. In between, <laughs> listen. Seriously, man, we're gonna die in this scenario. <laughs> this sounds terrifying. All right, listen. No, listen. It gets terrifying. Yeah, yeah. You have to understand when you're in. A no, game, no, no, no. It, it, it later. It is a little funny. Well, it okay. is, and that's so why we're letting you playing say playing cards. And it, it, they're in the grooves of like this, like
0: <laughs> wicker.
2: Yeah, some kind of. Thing. And you have to. It's like a puzzle, almost like a Chinese puzzle box, where you have to maneuver it. Okay. And it shifts like a, the okay. tiny playing cards around. Yeah. And you have to do it to where you get two of the same suit and same, like there's multiples of each card. Gotcha. The same suit and the same number or face card next to each other, and if we're able to do that after working the puzzle, we get to live. Okay. You're working on the puzzle. I'm standing next to you.
0: I hope I'm doing great. Now,
2: it, here's the thing. In real life, this is what's scary about it. In real life, you, you're not afraid of much. Tim is not afraid of much. He doesn't panic very often. Yeah, um, he just doesn't. Remember
0: when that towel caught on fire? <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, there okay. was a towel that caught on I mean, the thing was <laughs> blazing on that. fire, and I go, oh, we're doing this thing now? <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
2: it was, it, yeah. So you don't panic much. So this is the scary part. Oh, no. Yes. You realize... Well, actually, I come to the realization <laughs> that this guy made this puzzle out of human bone. No, I'm kidding. No, he <laughs> made this puzzle... Tw- <laughs> That's some Why impressive... You? you weren't laughing, man. No. Listen. Dude, I'm terrified. Exactly. Act scared. Oh! There you... <laughs> <Fine>. <laughs> exactly. <No. Still>. Okay. <laughs> Anyways, so you, I come to the realization that there's no solving this puzzle. He's designed this thing
0: to where (laughs) you'll never win. And you realize I'm gone. (laughs) (laughs) That I'm holding the puzzle with John Leguizamo in the room. Because you realize (laughs) I have figured that out mere moments before. (laughs) (laughs) And there's actually a shape
2: of you in the side of this old rickety trailer. Like Goofy busting out of a... Yeah. Yeah, And then what do you say you run off a cliff and what do you say when you fall? Yeah! (laughs) <laughs> exactly. But you run in place first before you fall. Of course I do. Okay. So here's the scary part. I, well, I realize that you can't solve this puzzle. So I know we're going to die. Tim comes to that realization and starts freaking out. <laughs> and I mean like panic like I've never seen you in real life. Oh, That's dude. what made it scary.
0: That would be freaky
2: because you realize you're trying to do it and you're, and you're you know when you're trying to do something and you're you get into a panic mode. And you're trying to you're in denial, so you're convincing yourself that there's a possible way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. so you're flipping no, the puzzle no. thing around. It'll be fine. It'll, yeah, we can do this. We can to do. do this. That's exactly what you're doing. You're like, no, there has to be, and you're like, this has, there has to be a way that this works. That, and you're like, you're literally freaking out. Meanwhile, the guy's over at the counter with a one of those. I couldn't remember. I was telling the story to someone today. What a! It's not a butcher's knife. It's a crossbow. It's not a cleaver. <laughs> My brother <laughs> said it's a crossbow. It's not a crossbow, but you know the. Um, they always have been cartoons when they fly into walls they're p- part of a knife set but it's like the big square with the curved blade a with the hole in it it's a cleaver i think
0: yeah yeah it's a cleaver, a cleaver. okay it's a meat cleaver
2: yes it's but it's cleaver. like a it's like a sharp you, yes. yes no okay. it's it's
0: designed chopping, for cutting through bone he's and... chopping human
2: yeah. entrails over oh. in like and he has a strainer almost like he's preparing a meal ooh okay while you're trying to solve this puzzle
0: that would be unnerving
2: yeah, just a little bit. Okay, so you're freaking out. I'm this, like.
1: What did this guy look like?
2: I don't remember. That's what makes it scary. I go to run away. He takes one of those, sm- like a smaller cleaver, and throws it at me, and it hits me. Ooh. Right. And then I'm, like, kind of, like, wounded, obviously. And then he throws another one, and it, like, hits me in the chest. Ooh. Right. I don't know where Tim is at this point, but I've just been. Yeah, I'm gone. Uh, I've
0: been gone. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I've I was like, been, uh, he went to grab that cleaver.
2: I've just been Mrs. Cleavered. Walk on, Okay, so I feel this in my dream, mind you. Oh no! Exactly. Okay, so uh, think about this. Yeah, this is where that's yeah, no
0: good. See, this got less funny. This is
2: where reality just became real. <laughs> to quote, "CSI Miami." Oh, wow. Yeah, That's exactly. It's Yeah, it is. You, tell me
1: you don't have enough time to watch good TV, <laughs> and you watch
2: that. Yeah, I don't watch CSI Miami, but I remember now that I clip. Not. Okay, anyways. <laughs> so, I have these cleavers stuck in me. You're apparently long gone. You realize the puzzle didn't work. And it was just... It was a terrifying dream. So then... Now, this will make it kind of lighthearted at the end. I do remember towards the end of the dream... It, it ended shortly after that, but I do remember an old duck hunt type Atari um, <laughs> scope aiming at me, and I felt like I was being hunted in a, a Nintendo video game. Oh, wow. <laughs> I do remember that at the end. That um, was Jason in
0: the bushes with I also super remember,
2: scope. I also remember I was um, bargaining with several of my uh, employees that work for me uh, about I was selling Avon to them, Avon makeup <laughs> products, and I do remember that at the beginning part of the dream. Maybe that's why I was being hunted because I did not give them a good deal on you have to eyeshadow. watch
0: you have to watch for those no soliciting signs I know
2: you end up in a rusty trailer with
0: me booking out of there <laughs> playing <laughs> tiny cards with <at> John Lipozamo <laughs>
2: <laughs> tiny cards anyways but you have to understand I woke up and I'm like that was not cool cuz you're panicking which doesn't happen in real life and I'm being, you know,
0: cleaved dreams can be extremely terrifying because there are, there's a whole set of subtext that you might not see in the dream but there are things that you don't even know why but they're terrifying you yeah because remember hits. the
2: dream where you got ate by a shark
0: yeah that was crazy yeah was this your dream or his, yeah that was, it was his mine. dream he's always he's got the craziest dreams i don't even about remember my dreams <laughs> yeah <laughs> wait a second here there's a recurring theme here <laughs> alex secretly dreams of my death it but was there are like
2: always comical situations well that one wasn't. well no
0: that well the one i was on a the shortest version is I was on a boat. and You were on a little raft. It a, almost tiny, looked like a pallet. Ti- yeah, it was tiny. And I guess there's this huge shadow. And Moving
2: under the water. I mean, like, huge.
0: And I guess the shark, like, came up. It was huge. And I tried to jump, <laughs> no, no, and no, I was... No, no, no. Run- hold, on,
2: hold on, wait a minute. You gotta say it right. Here's the thing. You were on there, and you're looking around. And you're kind of... You're always panicked in my dreams, too. Okay, so... You fall off of the raft. And I don't see the shark. All of a sudden, cartoon style, <laughs> I see Tim like running in place jumping out of the water going up in the air with the shark comes right underneath him like a cartoon bites him from the waist down and drags him back under. Then I f- I'm pretty sure I fought Scorpion from Mortal <laughs> <laughs> From Mortal Kombat. Because that's what I would do if my best friend was ever eaten by a shark. Thank you.
3: Longest stinger ever. being